out-bluff them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle them. Let them know, leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, welcome in. It is the R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition Week 13 episode. The last regular season week of college football is upon us. Not even a full slate. A lot of teams were like, you know what? I'm not playing week 13. I'm out. See you. Chose to play week zero instead. I don't know how I feel about it, but whatever. We've got what we've got. And next week we will have championship games and then the selections who will make it to the Gasparilla Bowl who will make (laughs) it to the Chick-fil-A Bowl those questions all will be answered over the course of the next couple weeks but for now we'll focus in on week 13 and I guess kind of the the macro topic that's going around right now is what is going to go on at Auburn University with their coaching job? Because there was a report this week that said Lane Kiffin was going to take the job. He was going to be leaving Ole Miss on Friday, taking the job. Which, boy, listen, Lane Kiffin already has kind of a rep as a shady dude. Mm-hmm. If he were to leave Ole Miss the day before the Egg Bowl, can't get much shadier. Let's let's face it. Look, this report came from one Source, yeah, one guy, and Lane Kiffin immediately took to Twitter to discredit the guy. Okay, so does that mean it's false? That means I because let me tell you, something, every makes, coach who's ever been said has been said he's going to take this job. The first thing they do is say, "No, I'm not." This makes Lane Kiffin. Look, <laughs> if if Lane Kiffin takes the job, it makes him look really bad. I don't think there's a way that Lane Kiffin cannot take this job before the season. If if he takes a job at the end of the season, okay. If he takes it before the season ends, he's going to look bad no yeah, matter what. But, but even if he takes a job after the season, after going, uh, you know, after all the reporters that have tweeted that, this out, Scott, that's what coaches do every time. Yeah. That's that's the that's the move. This there's a long-standing pattern of how this works. Someone reports this coach is going to take this new job, and that coach says, "No, I'm not. I'm not interested. I'm I'm an old Miss guy for life." And then two weeks later. He takes the job that he was going to take anyway. It's just the way it is. And I don't blame Lane Kiffin. This is, uh, I think Auburn's a better job than Ole Miss. Um, in my lifetime, I've seen Auburn win a championship, lose a national championship, and get shafted out of the chance of playing for a national championship. So this this is a team that is at least, and that's all in the last 20 years. So it's a team that at least, shows up at the dance every once in a while. Ole Miss is like, okay, some years we're at the bottom of the SEC West. Some years we're in the middle. That That's about there. That's the options. It's, we're either in the middle of the pack or at the bottom. Um, I, I do think there's more opportunity to win at Auburn, but I don't I don't know if Lane Kiffin's taking that job or not. I, I, either way, I thought it was funny seeing Lane and, uh, and this reporter go back. I don't even know the reporter's name. John Sokoloff. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. John yeah. Sokoloff. I don't even know who John Sokoloff is. He writes for like the he, who knows. The, they're, they're, I'm guessing it's either a Picayune or a Gazette. Yeah, <laughs> being from Mississippi. But there, there is uh, one positive coaching story. Lance Leopold has agreed to a contract extension oh. with Kansas. Now let me teach you the next thing about college coaching jobs. <laughs> 
right before guys take another job, they get an extension. They sign an extension, so <laughs> so the new school has to pay even more to get them out of there. So, but it, it's a so it's a contract extension through 2029, and the program the school is also committed 300 million dollars in facility in uh, facility investments. So they are committed to building up the football program at Kansas, and uh, it starts with holding on to their. National Coach of the Year candidate. Well, they did that just in time for the Big 12 to disintegrate to dust. So congratulations, Kansas. So maybe they'll win it. <laughs> yeah, you're burning up money as you become a non-Power 5 conference. Either way, it, yeah, as soon as Texas and OU leave the Big 12, Lance Leopold's going to go. Come on, Houston, Cincinnati. Yes, they're all coming in. What, what am I doing here? I got to get out of this place. What's <laughs> happening here? Uh, all right, let's jump in to this week's games. As we said last week, the contest has ended. So th- these are we're playing these lines the best we can. Um, but the good news is we don't have to worry about if they're going to be on the contest sheet that comes out tomorrow mm-hmm. because there is no contest sheet coming out tomorrow. Hey, you know what? Last week, pretty good week picking these games. Oh, yeah, and, and maybe well, I went three and two, and I got shit on on Twitter. It's like, oh, really? yeah, it, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's. That's that's the way. Sometimes it be like that, as the kids say. But uh, that's that's the 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 way it goes. Like I said, like that's the pattern. I'm telling you about the patterns with these coaching. That's the pattern of doing this podcast. When you win, everybody goes oh, ho hum. When you lose, everybody goes you suck. And then sometimes <laughs> when you win, they go you suck. So there's uh, it, I'm getting used to this. I'm comfortable in it now, so I'll just go into this week accepting that I suck, and that'll make everything a little bit easier. Uh, I think since I suck, I should probably go first. Sure. And here's one of the things. You know what? I will own something that we've done not so great with. We've gotten lax about saying what our best bet is going to be. So I told you what my best bet was. you can tell us what yours is as the pod goes on. And we'll, I guess we'll both say them. But McKenzie, and actually we'll do these first because that's what the people deserve. They deserve to hear our best first. We'll both give our best bets. And McKenzie Rivers, who is a college football expert, that's not true. But he is an NBA expert. And he sits, on, he sits here and listens to us talk about college football every week. And he... McKenzie's also, I mean, he's been around RJ for so long doing this that he knows a good handicap when he hears one. Mm-hmm. So between our two best bets, McKenzie Rivers will be the ultimate decider of what is the podcast best bet. Does that sound good, McKenzie? It's a tremendous responsibility, one I don't take lightly. Okay. Yes. yes. Sounds good. You're the, you're the hero we need, McKenzie <laughs> Rivers. You're the hero we need. This is going to be my best bet, McKenzie, so I uh, advise you to pay attention here and let me know what you think. I'm going to go with the Trojans of Troy, 13-and-a-half-point favorites. thought you were going to say USC. At Arkansas State. No, I'm sorry. Wrong Trojans. Wrong Trojans. We'll start with the motivation factor here because Troy needs a win to get to the Sun Belt Championship game. They have already beat South Alabama, so, who, so they've got the head-to-head. So all they need to do is win this game, and they're in. Great news stands on the other side of the rainbow at the at the Sunbelt Championship game. They will play Coastal Carolina. That's already locked in. Mm-hmm. Coastal Carolina will be without Grayson McCall. Yes. Troy is in position to really like I mean this game could be their ticket to the Sunbelt Championship. 
This is a big deal for them. They have one of, if not, we talk a lot about these G5 schools, mm-hmm. Houston, uh, you know, East Carolina, these offensive-minded Central Florida, run-up-the-score-type schools. Troy is the best G5 defense. Them or UAB. And UAB's kind of fallen off, so I think it is Troy. Uh, and Arkansas State last week played Texas State, who's not in the discussion for best G5 defense. Couldn't move the ball on them. Both these teams outside the top 100 and giving up sacks. But Troy, they have a very, very good pass rush. Top 25 in sack rate this year. Arkansas State can not only not run the ball, they don't really try to run the ball. They're outside the top 100 in rush play percentage. And that's where the problem comes in because Troy doesn't let you throw the ball. They sack your quarterback. They knock down passes. It's havoc. It's it's ugly. You can't throw on them. You have to grind them out. And Arkansas State just isn't capable of doing that. Troy eighth in the in the country in yards per pass allowed. Fifteenth in yards per game allowed. Arkansas State just got smashed at home by James Madison this year. They got smashed at home by South Alabama. Those are the top of the tier teams in the Sun Belt. Now they get to get smashed at home by Troy. Troy minus 13 and a half at Arkansas State. My submission for podcast best bet. What do you say? Uh, I don't hate it. The uh, latest bowl projections have uh, Troy going to the New Orleans Bowl. Okay. I don't know if that has them winning the Sun Belt or not, but that's the latest bowl projections I've been looking at. Brett McMurphy does a great job every year. He's got them playing North Texas in the New Orleans Bowl. Sunbelt Championship would sure go a long way into helping this team move their program For further sure. along in the positive direction that they they have been over the past several seasons. So I, I I'm okay with it. All right, oh, I can I, I not going to bet against you. What's your favorite wager this weekend, Scott? I'm going with the Hawkeyes of Iowa. I'm laying ten and a half points against your. Nebraska corn. I keep telling you, you don't blow out corn. Sure, sure. (laughs) Let's talk uh, about the reality of the situation. Iowa wins, and they're in the Big Ten championship game. They control their own ticket to Indianapolis. The big prize. (laughs) Getting dog stomped by either Ohio State or Michigan. Hey. Doesn't matter. As long as you're you're in, you got a chance, right? Okay, all right, all right. So win and you're in. Sure, sure. They have beaten Nebraska seven straight times. Nebraska has one foot out the door. This season has just been such a disappointment, and they're waiting for it to be over. They've lost five straight games now, and if you look at their games against the better defenses in the Big Ten – They cannot score. They were unable to find the end zone against Michigan. They scored nine points against Illinois, 14 points against Wisconsin, 14 against Rutgers. Iowa allows only 13.5 points per game. At home, they're even better. They allow 10.5 points per game. And if you take away the 27 points that they gave up to Michigan, because it's the best offense that they played at Kinnick Stadium this year, That average goes down to just seven points per game. I just, to me, this is not about Iowa blowing them out because Iowa doesn't really blow out anybody. To me, this is about the defense. And as good of a defense as Iowa has, with as bad of an offense as Nebraska has, 
I don't see how Nebraska scores in this game. At the most, I think they score two touchdowns. And if Iowa gets me 24 points, they're covering this line. And I think they're capable of doing that. You know, this they, they put up uh, 33 on Northwestern, 24 on Purdue, 24 on Wisconsin. I think that this is an Iowa team playing at home with a chance to go to the Big Ten championship game, wins an ugly game by double digits, more so, again, not because of their offense, but because Nebraska is not going to score. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but there is cons- – I mean, Iowa scored 13 points last week against Minnesota, who is is not like some world-beating Big Ten team. Mm-hmm. And of all these times in a row that Iowa's beat Nebraska – and I'm not saying they're not going to beat Nebraska. They will beat Nebraska. It's all by single digits. Nebraska just cov- – they, they keep covering these games. Corn covers. Corn covers. I'm going to make T-shirts out of that. Corn <laughs> covers. I actually looked hard at Nebraska here. Um, and I also found – I saw today that uh, the the tight end, Sam Laporta, is going to miss the game against Nebraska. So he's been a pretty key guy for them, 600-something yards, 53 receptions for an offense that has not a lot to smile about. Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the other things that kind of, it just, it took me off any thought of taking Iowa. So I, I'm, uh, I'm scared off of this. We've won on this pod a couple times with me backing corn and mm-hmm. you saying gross because it is gross to back corn, but corn covers McKenzie rivers. Last game of the season though. Th- these yeah. kids are ready for no, this game. Might... They're ready for this year to be over. There may be something to it's that. It's not about like, Hey, I want to play hard and impress my coach because I want more playing time next game. It's, guys, we don't have a bowl game. The season is over. I just want to go home for the holidays. That's it. But last year, guess what? Only lost by one. Or last last week, only lost by one to Nebraska. Fought right there with them. To last, Wisconsin, yeah. Last year, yeah, it was it Wisconsin. Last year, very last game of the season. A season that was a disaster. They're 3-8. and eight. What are they doing? Playing Iowa. Lose by seven. Corn. Covers. Mackenzie Rivers, you will be the decider. What says you? AJ wins by the points. I graded both a B. They're both really the same handicap where there's disparate motivation and one has a defense that's going to completely shut down the other team. My question to both of you guys is, isn't that represented in the number here? I mean, they're huge favorites, 13 and a half, 10 and a half. If they need to win and they're in, I'm not sure if they got to cover two touchdowns and they're in, but AJ wins on a technicality, even though you both guys got a B because he came back at your handicap, Scott, uh, with a contrary opinion. And I like that conflict. I like that heat. So that's what gives AJ the nod in this one. All right. Just well, not as fresh on my sunbelt. <laughs> hey, it's tough. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Our best bet of the pod will be Troy minus 13 and a half. I will go to my next play, which we were just talking about uh, Kansas football. We're just talking about me fading Kansas football once again. And this is kind of another motivation angle play. Kansas got their quarterback back last week and looked even worse on offense than before. Mm. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is the guy we've been waiting on. Um, the real problem for the Jayhawks, though, is their defense. Kansas gave up 98 points in the last two games. 98 they just gave up 427 rushing yards 
to Texas. And now they get a Kansas State team that just wants to run the ball. Deuce Vaughn, one of the best in the country. He should have whatever he wants. I think what happened here is Kansas got bowl eligible a couple weeks ago. And they said, you know what? This is a really big, big step for our program. Look at us. We're a bowl team. And now they're just gone again. Meanwhile, Kansas State, with a win here, punches their ticket to the Big 12 title game. Jayhawks have accomplished their goals. Kansas State's won 13 straight in this matchup. That's even more than Iowa over Corn. <laughs> but Kansas State has gone 10 and 3 ATS in that time. They own this rivalry. Uh, I, I it just feels like Kansas State has so much to play for right now. There is a question on who's going to play quarterback for Kansas State. But I've said all along, let Adrian Martinez just sit. Now Kansas State becomes a two-dimensional offense all of a sudden when he's sitting down. Uh, So I like the Wildcats minus 11.5. What do you think? Could be rain in the forecast in Manhattan, Kansas this weekend. Uh, which you know that makes me like? The running team. The team more. that can run I the ball. I was going to say, yeah. So, uh, if anything, that would be the side that I'd be on just because of any weather concerns. You ever been to Manhattan, Kansas? I have not. I've been to Manhattan, New York. <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas is one of the saddest places. They call on it Earth. the Little Apple. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's not a joke, Mackenzie. They, do really they do. actually yes, they they do, do call it that. They do call it that. It what is... about Paris, Texas? What's that? Anything? No, it's, it's just like a, there's like 600 people who live in Paris, Texas. But Manhattan, Kansas, I went once when uh, – or I went out in that part of Kansas when I was in the Army, and I was like, this is the worst place in the world. It's cold, windy. There's no trees to block any wind. It's just a miserable place. And then I started covering – when I worked at the uh, the Longhorn Station in Austin, I'd go out and, and check out these road venues – Kansas State may be the worst of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Might might be the a. It's the toughest venue to get to, like from a travel standpoint. It's just not a not a great place. I'm sure Kansas doesn't want to go there either. Is what <laughs> I'm thinking. All right, where are you going for your second game? Uh, we'll stay in the Big Twelve, and uh, it's going to be the team that I've bet on the past three weeks when everybody has told me that I'm nuts, and uh, all I've done is just win, and all they've done is win. win, 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 no matter what. TCU laying ten against Iowa State. There will not be a letdown. Finish the job, set up the Big 12 title game. Iowa State is a dead team. Losing last week crushed any chance of getting a bowl game. They had an opportunity with the last two games. Win over Oklahoma State, win over Texas Tech. You get yourself to five wins, to six wins, you're going to a bowl game. Nope, they lost both games and Iowa State just cannot score certainly not enough to compete with TCU's offense and here's something that impressed me or 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 what my biggest takeaway was last week watching TCU execute that last second field goal how many NFL teams would have screwed that up at the end of the game honestly running onto the field as the clock is expiring getting everybody set getting the snap off and kicking the game winning field goal as the clock expired. That was pretty impressive. You know what it, you know what my biggest takeaway from that was? This is a well-coached team. Coaching makes the difference. And Sonny Dykes will not allow this team to suffer a letdown prior to their biggest game of the year. But you could argue that Baylor was a letdown. They didn't cover in that game last week. 
I mean, that was a that was an ATS loss, and they were two point favorites. They won by one. If any, if you didn't take TCU money line, you laid the two. You're a moron. Okay, but I mean, you have to. You have to. But Baylor, you were saying Baylor's this team shouldn't be on this level. Like this TCU is is on their way to the playoff. I gave out TCU money it, line. We won. It was a <laughs> letdown spot. Here's my only concern: road games are different than home games, too. Yeah, I agree with that. Here's my concern. This Iowa State team, as shitty as they are, they just don't get blown out. They've lost one game this season by more than a touchdown, and that was against Oklahoma like a month and a half ago. And how bad is Oklahoma? Uh, right. Uh, your boys, Iowa, they played them within three at Iowa. They co- they covered. Corn can cover if these guys could cover. Baylor played him within a touchdown. Don't talk to me about an Iowa-Iowa State game and say it was a blowout. It's a big rivalry game. Kansas State, one point. Texas, three points. Like, I don't understand. Like, I think this Iowa and State team is the times, worst team in the conference. Again, how I many, really do. How many times can you suffer those heartbreaks, those one-score losses, and then pick yourself up and play tough again? Again, final game of the season. There's the season's done. I, I to me, uh, the, uh, there's it's a similar handicap I'm going to have in a lot of these games. I am picking on teams that are dead and out, and the season's over. These are college kids. There's nothing to look forward to now. This is the end of the the practices, the waking up early, the the dealing with the weight room. All that shit is done. They just want to go home for the holidays, the party, the season is over. They can't wait to have a couple of days off, a couple of weeks off before they begin their off-season training program. There's no bowl game, nothing to celebrate for. These teams are dead. Iowa State's going to be a dead team. Nebraska's going to be a dead team. I don't disagree with what you're saying. My worry is this is a natural letdown spot for TCU. With a game, there really every game going forward after this game is a playoff game for TCU. They can't afford to lose this game, but they can't afford to get out of this game as quickly as possible. No mm-hmm. need to to throw anything like run up any kind of score. They just want to get the hell out of there. That's what makes me nervous. I do I do think Iowa State is so bad that even TCU sleepwalking should cover this number. But I'm I'm not ballsy enough to play it. But again, I've been saying for a month now. I I on the opposite side of TCU games. I'm buying myself a Ladanian Tomlinson TCU jersey. This is what happens to me. It's because they keep winning for me. Last week, what did I say? I'm tired of fading TCU. I'm not going to do it this week. <laughs> what what happens? Baylor covers. Oh, assholes. Again, if you didn't, if you were on TCU and didn't take the money line, that that that's your mistake. Because a two-point spread on the road, come on, take the money line or you or you don't play them at all. Yeah. You don't lay two points. Um, well, money line was minus 130. I would have played, I'm saying normally I would have played, Baylor, been, plus played Baylor plus two yeah. and been smart. But I wasn't. Uh, all right. I'm going to go. Now we're getting into some big-time football here. Oh, baby. Air Force and San Diego State. Let's go. This is a game we've all been waiting for. Lots of running. And good news. Friends, San Diego State is now an offensive juggernaut. Uh, they haven't been all year, but now they are because they put up 77 points in their last two games against San Jose State and New Mexico. So everything's fine on that side of the ball. <laughs> no, it's not fine. And you here's what 
the handicap is you have to be able to throw the ball around to beat this Air Force defense because they will give you nil on the ground. What does San Diego State do well on offense? Well, nothing, really. But, <laughs> but they do consistently try to run the ball. They run at a top 20 rate in the country and rank 112th in rushing success rate. Doesn't seem smart, but that's what they do. San Diego State, a solid run defense, which is what you need against Air Force. But this triple option is a different beast, and it's been particularly effective for Air Force this year. Mm -hmm. This is one of the best Air Force teams they've had in a while. Because San Diego State already lost a head-to-head against Fresno, there's no path for them to the Mountain West Conference title game. None. So even if if they win and Fresno loses... Fresno still goes to that game because of the head-to-head tiebreak. So I don't expect them to pull out anything other than what they've done all year, which I think plays right into the hands of Air Force. Air Force minus one and a half at San Diego State. Well, I get, I, I, again, I, every time you talk about Air Force, I bring up, I, I was at that game against UNLV, and I watched them just run their way to 42 points. Yeah, it like, can happen. <laughs> I, I know they won't run to 42 on San Diego State. Like I, I have a lot of respect for San Diego State's defense. The problem, I just don't think they can move the ball against Air Force. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's that's where I uh, stand on this one. Where are you going for your third game? All right, we got two ugly plays coming up next. So you've been forewarned. Turn away from your phone and stop <laughs> listening if you don't want to get ugly here. Vanderbilt plus 14 at home against the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, Vanderbilt's got all the confidence in the world. They can't be stopped now. Two, that, two wins in a row, bro. Absolutely. Back, and, and what has back-to-back wins over Kentucky and Florida done for this team? It has given them life. One more win, and Vanderbilt will be bowl eligible. <laughs> if they upset yeah. Tennessee here, they're going bowling. We got a team playing with all the confidence in the world. But to me, it's all about feel here. <laughs> Think about that. Their other wins this year are Hawaii, yeah. Elon, yep. and Northern Illinois. Yep. And they could be bowl eligible. <laughs> well, they beat when you beat Kentucky and Florida yeah. in back-to-back weeks. But to me, to me, this this handicap is all about feel. Tennessee had their dreams crushed last week, and Hendon Hooker went down. Their leader is out. Yeah. How does this team now pick themselves up off the floor after getting blown out by thirty points? Watching your quarterback suffer a season-ending injury, it's going to keep him out for several months, and now you got to go on the road and cover two touchdowns? I just don't know how much motivation Tennessee play, uh, you know, Tennessee plays within this game. It's a rivalry game. There's pride. Vanderbilt feels like, you know, not just little brother, like little, little stepbrother, you know? It's, I just feel like you're going to get a, a very good effort from Vanderbilt, whereas – you might not get the intensity from Tennessee after suffering that emotion, the, all those emotions last week, if that makes sense. Yeah. What What do you think this line would have been? Had, well, first of all, with a healthy hand and hooker, I'm assuming with a healthy hand and hooker, you don't even look at this this game. 20, uh, it's, it's got to be 22, and, 23. Yeah. And what would it be if Vandy didn't lose, or if uh, Tennessee didn't lose last week? 17. So this no, is, this is pro- probably still 20, 20. This, yeah. This is all motivation. Yes. All motivation, which I tend to agree with. I don't. And I also think this, I wouldn't even look at this if Vanderbilt didn't win back-to-back games against Kentucky and Florida. 
If Vanderbilt came into this game with only two wins, having lost to both Kentucky and Florida in back-to-back weeks, this, this I, I don't even care. Whatever quarterback you want to play in this game for, for Tennessee, they're still going to roll away with a victory. But after seeing this team actually fight over the past two weeks, put up 31 points on Florida, beat Kentucky 24-21 on the road, and now setting themselves up with a chance to pull off an upset and be bowl eligible? Huh? I mean, that's that's something that who would have thought you'd be saying that about Vanderbilt this year? No, it's, it sounds pretty unbelievable. And the one thing that worries me is Joe Milton is a pretty experienced. Like we're talking about a redshirt senior, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who's played five years of college football, uh, transferred from Michigan, and has been in the sparing moments that he's played for Tennessee. The offense hasn't lost a lot. Like it's been, it, he seems to understand the offense that they're running. Uh, six touchdowns, no picks for him this year. Uh, very uh, athletic guy can get out. You know, he's he's a, a ten yard per carry guy this year. I I tend to agree with everything about the motivation. My worry is that Joe Milton in his last college football game wants to go out and style, and Josh Heupel's offense will allow you to style. That worries me a little bit. So um, I understand, like when when Hooker goes out of the game, it just it just changes everything. Sure, right? You know, your entire uh, motivation for playing in that game changes. It's just everything changes when Hendon Hooker leaves that game. I'd but, argue their offense was better last week when Hendon Hooker after Hendon Hooker got hurt. Like it suddenly started to show some life. Okay, but how many points did they score? After he left the game. I think they just scored one touchdown. Exactly. This Vanderbilt team played South Carolina earlier this year. The same team that Tennessee got blown out by last week. They put up 27 points on them. Okay? Tennessee, and I, like I said, when Hendon Hooker goes out, it changes your whole mentality. But they only scored one touchdown with Joe Milton at quarterback against South Carolina. Whereas Vanderbilt was able to make it a game. Well, you make a lot of good points. I'm I'm staying away from this game just because I it feels like so obvious, and I don't want to buy high on Vanderbilt. It just, like you said, you like that they've won two games in a row. I actually hate that they've won two games in a row, although it does give them that last bit of motivation for the bowl thing. Uh, this It's just a stay away from me. I, I don't disagree with all of your angles on motivation, though, are certainly there, and there's uh, there's no reason. For, uh, Tennessee's motivation all went out the window last last week. Not only because they lost any shot at being like in the playoff conversation, mm-hmm. which I still think they could have been in the playoff conversation mm-hmm. at eleven and one, staying home for the SEC championship. But it also, no matter what happens now, is it? It's not going to be what it was. And do you have a chance to do anything without Hinton Hooker? Really? And also, also, how do these kids react after seeing their quarterback go out with an injury like that? It's like, all right, do I want to get hurt now in, in the last game of the yeah. year? I don't know. It just just feels like a bad spot to be uh, backing Tennessee here on the road lane, two, to- two touchdowns. All right, last one for me. Well, last side for me. I'm going to go with North Carolina minus six and a half hosting NC State. And, yes, UNC saw their already slim playoff hopes flushed last week against Georgia Tech. But rather than roll over against their rival here, I think they respond by making sure their offense is clicking before they have to get on the field with Clemson next week. 
something happened to this team against Georgia Tech. I don't know what it was. Drake May, that's the worst game he played by far mm. this year. Drake May, Drake May's QBR against Georgia Tech, 34.8. His previous low QBR this season was 79. He'd not even had like a below average game. And then he just had the worst game of his season against a bad Georgia Tech team, and it cost him a win. So my question is, like, do do they say, okay, well, let's just let's tr- let's try and get ourselves out of here, get through this thing, no injuries, look what happened to Tennessee, we don't want that, and let's play Clemson? Or do they say, listen, we're not a good defensive football team. We have to make our offense hum. It wasn't humming last week. We need to figure out why and get it humming. Otherwise, we've got no shot in hell against Clemson. That's the way I'm looking at it. Meanwhile, North Carolina State, their offensive swoon in the post-Leary era, uh, it's not a week-long thing. Mm. They they put up 10 points against Louisville, 9 against Syracuse, 20 against Boston College's awful team. They did put up 30 against Wake, and they could do that again this week against a bad UNC defense here. But when UNC is clicking, it is – one of, if not the best offense in the country. And I think they have to get back on track here. So even if they give up 30 points, I'll be looking for North Carolina to score 40. That's just what they've done. Uh, with the exception of last week, I'm not going to let that blind me. So I'm going to go North Carolina minus six and a half uh, hosting NC State. Seems like a spot where they need to get themselves right before the Clemson game. All right. Where are you going for your final play? Hold your nose. This is very non-Scott play here. This is so ugly. This is U-G-L-Y. <laughs> you ain't got no alibi. Auburn plus 22 in the Iron Bowl against Alabama. Ugh. Uh, seriously, 22 points in the Iron Bowl is pretty disrespectful. And who's Alabama really blown out this year? That I guess Vanderbilt they blew out, right? They blew out UL Monroe and Utah State. But let's talk about how they played in, you know, some rivalry games, games where teams came in with a, a sense of pride. You know, the LSU game, they lose 32 31. Ole Miss came down to the wire. You know, they lose the Tennessee game. Didn't, didn't get margin against AM or Texas for exactly. that. Exactly. So, Arkansas, I think maybe they blew out pretty good. Yeah, but so Alabama really going to, you know, play the Iron Bowl against a team that this is their entire season? This means more to uh, Auburn than it does to Alabama. And I I tend to lean towards – now, I'm not saying that Cadillac Williams is getting this job. But ever since he took over at Auburn, they have a new life. They have a new energy. And players seem to be playing for him. That's not even a question. Like he, there, there's a, he's got a passion that is like yes. it, people are excited about. And and when that happens, don't we see oftentimes the players play hard for the interim coach, yep. the guy that they want to get the job. There's one reason why Marcus Freeman is the head coach at Notre Dame. It's because of how that team played for him last year. That's why he got this job. And if these players truly respect Cadillac Williams and want him to keep this job, they're going to fight hard for him in this game against Alabama. 
just like they've played well for him the past couple of weeks. Auburn's going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball a lot. Alabama, especially against Ole Miss, they've they shown you can run on them. And if Auburn's able to you know, move the chains and grind this game down to a, a slow pace, they're going to cover three touchdowns. So I, I lean towards Auburn here taking the three touchdowns. If this game was under 20 points, maybe it doesn't show up on my radar. But over three scores is a lot in this rivalry game. It doesn't happen often. Uh, I know a couple of years ago, Alabama blew them out. A much different Alabama team that we see yeah. now. I think Auburn plays hard for Cadillac Williams, who can share with his players what it means to play in this game. Having the experience of playing in this game, I think it translates to Auburn's success on the field. Auburn's covered four of the last six in this contest. They've won two of the last six outright. And again, this is one of those, what's the what's the motivation for these Saban teams where it, really it's, it's championship or bust. Mm-hmm. There's no championship here. It's not happening. So are they going to be balls to the wall? I tend to think no. So th- this is actually, of your picks, this is my favorite one. Uh, because should we, I, should we make this the best bet? I, I can't see I can't see an argument for the other side. I mean, I shouldn't say that. The talent discrepancy is great. I mean, Alabama. If Alabama is fully motivated to go out there and kick their heads in, I could see it happening. I just don't know that they are, um, and I, I don't know that they really should be. Cadillac Williams as a player won two Iron Bowls in Tuscaloosa. I think the, he, he won three in total. He he went one and three, uh, three and one in the Iron Bowl in his career. At, at what year, what year was the last one? Does it say that he won? Yeah, he was at Auburn from '01 to '04. Okay, they may have won one on the road since then. They do not win no, on they the road won, very often. They, they won, won a, they won in '06 on the road. 2010, and they, they won, won in 2010 on the road. That was the 28 uh, 27. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but but I'm not asking them to win. This no, is, no, I'm, no, I'm asking no, no. them to not lose by I, 22. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I I think that they should be able to cover this. Three number. scores? Come on. I mean, what what what's the worst this game is going to be? 42-21. Yeah, that's, that's a cover. Right. Yeah, that's a cover. Yep. Before we get to our totals segment. Let's see what Uncle Dave has in store for us. Dave Essler with his best bet for this week. I bet Missouri plus three over Arkansas this week. I mean, I had a large bet on the Hogs last week, almost knowing they wouldn't win this game and get their sixth win uh, last week. So I'm, I'm surprised we're actually getting points here, to be honest with you. For, for Arkansas, uh, the game's on the road the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, so clearly some practice time is going to be disrupted. And I have to put them – a little bit on letdown alert after the, now they're bowl eligible. And with that said, guess who needs one more win to get to six? Yes, that would be Missouri in their last home game, uh, senior day. Uh, they only have five wins, but at home they played Georgia tough. They only lost by four to Kentucky. They beat the Gamecocks, who just laid 63 on Tennessee. Um, I mean, defense travels, and Arkansas doesn't have one. In fact, they're 120th out of 131 teams in yards allowed per game. So, this is a classic WTF wrong team favorite game for me, and I bet it accordingly. Uh, I love Missouri. All right, so there you go. I don't know if I agree with him on this one, but 
I, Scott, this is the kind of play you'd like to make because it's a team playing for their sixth win, playing for bowl eligibility. I thought about this one. Yeah, so Mizzou, if we're being completely transparent here, this was on my cutting board, or your cutting room my, floor. My cutting floor. Yes. Yeah. So it was also on my cutting board. Yeah. Yeah, it was on my cutting yeah. floor. <laughs> Slicing up some an apple or something, and there it was, right next to it. Uh, so I I see where he's going here. Arkansas is just a hard team to peg for me. I, I don't know what you're going to get week in and week out with this team. So I'm a little scared uh, of playing on or against the Hogs right now. All right, let's get into our totals. I'm going to go with an under for my total this week. That's not fun. We don't want that. It's not change fun. I'm not going to change my mind, though. But it's the Georgia-Georgia Tech under 49. I played Georgia-Kentucky under last mm-hmm. week, and it was very successful because Georgia has no interest in getting margin right now. They want to get out of this game as quickly and as healthy as possible. Last week against Kentucky, they ran the ball 46 times. They threw the ball 19 times. They're, they, they've got no reason to get margin. They are playing it safe. And on the other side, I don't know if Georgia Tech can score a point against this team because that's what I've seen of these Kirby Smart teams. They, they, while they'll take the foot off the gas on offense, the defense is a consistent effort. They do not back down, and this defense takes pride in not letting you score any touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we we we've seen them like switching out personnel late in games, goal line to make sure you don't just punch one in because that's everybody's goal. We can punch one in against this Georgia defense, especially last year. They just don't want to allow it. Worries me a little that, that Georgia Tech's playing for bowl eligibility, but I don't think it matters here. I, I, I think Georgia controls the clock. They run the ball. They just take the air out of things, and they, they get out the door. I think the only way this goes over is if there's somehow a ton of turnovers, So, and you can't really handicap that. So I'm going to say if if there's a couple turnovers, I'm probably still feeling – if there's five, I'm probably screwed. But that's the only way I can see this game getting over. I I don't think Georgia wants anything to do with blowing this team out. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And Georgia's got bigger fish bigger fish to fry. Yeah, and everybody's like, well, I don't know, playing against a rival, in-state rival, they want to run up the score for recruits. Georgia and Georgia Tech don't – they're not in the same pool for recruits. competing for recruits, no. No. Like – Georgia, if if you get offered by Georgia Tech and you're considering it, I've got news for you. Georgia ain't offering you. You're not one of those kids, all right? (laughs) You ain't that kid. Uh, Where are you going for your total? To the American Athletic Conference. Don't do Houston. We can't do it. They're not playing, are they? Houston is playing, but I will not go with Houston. Thank you, because, yeah, they kicked my ass last week. East Carolina, gross. Well, Houston did their part. They did. East Carolina just didn't score. I I have no idea what happened to Holton Hailers. How how did they not score? Do your job, Pirates. Literally the most surprising outcome of all, like, the upsets and and the close finishes. The most surprising upset last – the most surprising outcome last week was ECU not scoring. That's unbelievable. On Houston. Um, I'm going to the American Athletic Conference. It's my favorite conference for overs. And it's going to be SMU Memphis over 69. (laughs) This game's going to be a shootout. Uh, Both these teams average well over 35 points per game. Uh, They allow a ton of points and yardage to each other. SMU getting blown out by Tulane ruined their chances at playing for a conference title. So ending the season with a win would be a good finish for them as they gear up for a bowl game. Memphis, they've won two straight games after a terrible four-game losing skid. But those four losses were to the four top teams in the conference. 
Their offense is capable of scoring on every single drive. And let's look at some common opponents between the two teams. Memphis and Houston combined for 65 points. SMU and Houston, 140. (laughs) Yeah, unreal. Uh, Memphis and Tulane, 67. SMU and Tulane, 83. Memphis and UCF, 63. SMU and UCF, 60. Yeah, I'm asking for a little more points in this game. But I think we're guaranteed to be in the 60s. And I would be surprised if we're not played into the 70s or 80s in this contest. Let me grab under 60, uh, 50 to 1, please. You want under 60 at 50 to 1? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Five to win 250? No, no takers? No, I don't think there's any takers. I thought you said it was guaranteed. I must have misheard you, my bad. Scott reached for the buzzer, but he... uh, I did reach for the buzzer. He decided... But I don't know if I want to give you 50 to 1. 50 to 1 is... Well, if it's guaranteed, I mean, I'm doing you a favor. Why don't you go find the real odds? (laughs) Well, you said... I'll I'll look at that. Alternative spread under 60. I bet it's 5 to 1. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I... Listen, I feel burned after uh, last week's Houston over by the American conference. But I remember a couple weeks ago we were talking on this pod, we were doing uh, the totals and you were like, or or we were discussing maybe beforehand the totals. And you were like, what about Tulsa and SMU? And I was like, Mordecai is not going to play. I don't like it. I, I think you went a different direction that week. And that game still went to 79 points. Like, it does, it just doesn't matter. Did it go 83? Okay. Yeah, this is a – this conference just – it leans to those types of games. Um, I certainly – No, no, one seventy-five points, right? 45, 30 – what was it? SMU against – the point is it was pretty much 80 it, points. Yeah. yeah, it was – It, it was, was 45, 34. Okay. 79, 79 points. 79 points. There you go. So, it, it's, it's one of those conferences where defense is an afterthought. These two teams certainly – play like defense is an afterthought, so it's the only way I could look here. Although, listen, two weeks in a row, the last two games, Memphis opponents, 10 total points. They played Northern Alabama last week. <laughs> that doesn't count? No. Come on. All right, all right. No. Well, just throwing it out there. Was that, is that an FBS school? It is an FBS yeah. school. No, it doesn't count. Or an FCS school. Yeah. Uh, and t- Tulsa is almost an FCS school, so it, it, yeah. Um, well, that's, the only, that's why I didn't go Houston-Tulsa over. Oh, good call. Because I don't know about I don't know about Tulsa scoring on Houston. Well, if East Carolina couldn't score on Houston, <laughs> they've got it figured out on that end. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Um, we will be back next week, though, previewing Championship Week. We may have some Army Navy action for you as well. We got all kinds of fun stuff coming. Bowl season's on its way. We'll probably be doing two a week pods during bowl season. We're gonna mm. we're gonna keep it coming for you, baby. Is there um, any bowl contests we can get in? I'm sure we've got something we can do. I'm yeah. sure we've got and we might do something with the people. How about that? I like that. In the That's a good idea. forums, something like that. Uh let's go ahead and give the people what they want, though. And what they want is to save some money at pregame.com. And what we're going to, because it's Thanksgiving and we're in the giving mood, we're going to give out two promo codes this week. And one, it, it depends on what you're into, all right? Let's say you want just, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not going to buy a bunch of picks. I just want, want a little action one night over the holiday. Cool. Here's the promo code. Gobble. $25 off. Good for one use on any best bet package. That's good through Monday, November 28th. So you see someone who's got a three-star best bet, 25 bucks. You put, okay, I want that. Get to the checkout. Put in that that coupon code, GOBBLE, G-O-B-B-L-E. Boom. 
$25 off $25. Mackenzie, help me with that math. Uh, that'd be 0.0, my friend. $0.00. Ooh. and zero cents. Every time. And let's say you're thinking, okay, here's what I want to do. I don't want one pick. I want, I want it all. <laughs> I want a 30-day sub. I want McKenzie Rivers, rest of season NBA. I want Scott Seidenberg, rest of season NHL. Gobble, gobble. That's two gobbles in the coupon box. And guess what you'll get there? $40 off What? any subscription seven days or greater. No. Yeah. And like Fezzik <laughs> always says, the, I mean, the best way to judge someone is on a long-term subscription. Anybody can lose on any given night. That's going to happen. But oh, the longer you're in, the, the more you, you get the truth about someone. Gobble, gobble, $40 off any subscription at pregame.com. Uh, so gobble, gobble, or gobble, depending on what you're looking for. That is going to do it now. And thank you to Scott. Thank you to McKenzie. Thank you to Dave Essler. And thank you to you, the audience, for riding with us all year. Like I said, we'll be back for championship week and for all the bowl games. But appreciate you playing along this year with us with that contest. It's been fun to do. Been fun to try and come up with our four best plays. Scott and I, sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. That's, sometimes that's, it rains. That's the beauty of it. Sometimes it doesn't rain. Uh, here, it rarely rains. I can tell you that. Uh, but either way, we appreciate you guys and telling all your friends because that's it, the podcast continues to grow. All these podcasts continue to grow thanks to you guys. Like I said, gobble, gobble, gobble. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Defense, swarm, swarm, attack, attack. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out bluff them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.